Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian... How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. It's been a, been a while since I've, I've talked to you guys, but uh, joining me today is Matt Montgomery of RSL Soapbox to uh, talk about this weekend's game against uh, Real Salt Lake. How you doing that? I'm I'm doing well. It's been quite a while since we talked. Uh behind the scenes, of course. We just recorded a podcast for RSS Soapbox. Oh. So just pull oh. back the curtain a little bit. Oh no, but, we're gonna get so bummed to learn. But I uh I know it's okay. Uh but I, I I was I just we haven't I haven't recorded that many shows recently. I've been like doing other things and I haven't been able to do my normal podcasting. So I'm glad to be like coming back with one of my favorite podcast guests uh always a joy to talk what what do you uh what do you plan you i'll take a more behind the curtain thing you are a big uh tabletop gamer i am right is that what we call the people that play tabletop games sure a board gamer or gamer i'll take anything as long as you play games with me what what game are you really into these days uh, so I've been playing a lot of trick-taking games recently. Uh, I played Tichu, which is a like trick-taking ladder climbing game uh, that just really was delightful to play. Uh, T-I-C-H-U. Um, and I just got Keystone North America, uh, which very excited to play. Uh, came in the mail today. So that, that's kind of my very, very short list. All right. Well, I don't want to make this a board gaming podcast, but I am curious... For someone like you who plays a lot of games, what does it take for you to get to come back to a game like repeatedly over a s- extended period of time? Yeah, so there are two things. Uh, one, it, it has to be just pure fun in some way. Uh, so one that comes to mind is the Quacks of Quedlinburg, which is a, a bag building, like push your luck game where you're pulling uh, pieces of like potion ingredients from a bag and trying not to blow up uh truly like one of the most fun games and for me i don't have like a consistent game group right now um so we've you know we've got a couple people who play games with regularly uh but without a consistent group like i'm introducing new people to games so needs to be easy to teach needs to be fun uh and i play a lot of games where the fun is in like hard work and i enjoy that uh, but I recognize it's not for everybody, at least it's not all of the time. Higher bar of entry for a game like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so that's I'm one recommendation. I'm I'm now finally at, my kids are getting to the age where they can actually play games that have rules. And so, mm. uh, you know, like the, like life, I feel like was like a, a an intro game, but it mm-hmm. doesn't it's not a lot of fun for adults because you it's end up not having fun for read. anybody. Might not be fun. Uh, I mean, the kids, the young kids seem to enjoy it, but it, especially when you have to read all the stuff to them, yeah, it's, it'd be a little tiresome. 
Um, a couple of recommendations then for you. Rhino Hero, which okay. is a card stacking, like tower building game, like very physical, very fun. Okay. Uh, you can have as much fun as the children playing it. Uh, and then Animal Upon Animal, uh, which starts probably, what, four-ish is like a good appropriate age to start. Um, anything by Haba Games, though. So if you see that that bright yellow box on the game shelves, that's it's probably a Haba game. Okay. And it's, it's, they're great games for adults and kids. Yeah, I, the game that we've finally been... The, the first game that we found that I could meet the kids at their level was King of New York. I think it's called King of New York. Oh, yeah, right? that's a great one. King of Tokyo. Yeah. Um, which I guess they're two the same similar they're the same game just with different uh, yeah, a little, variables little different things but but that that's been a that's been a fun one uh and i find that like turn based games where it's like there's not a lot you you can kind of like there's no you, there's no hurry to get through like you can just you you do your your bit and then you you move on mm-hmm. uh but that's been a, that's been one that we've been able to settle on but uh, a Great. more important game perhaps is coming up on Said you like that transition? That was really That's good. That's really good. That was really good. Uh, you know, clip that, uh, <laughs> editor. Uh, but um, no, uh, big game Saturday for both these teams uh, that are are there a maybe not in danger of their seasons completely slipping away, but getting to a point where they need to start showing something uh, for this to be, and maybe in that way it's more important for the Sounders because it's a home game. And, you know, losing or not getting full points from any home game for the Sounders right now is a lot of trouble. But tell us a little bit about the form that RSL comes into this one as. And, you know, a good start seems to be tailing off pretty significantly. Yeah, I'm concerned about Real Salt Lake's form, to say the least. Um, Looking at the form guide, which you can find at formguide.tools.football. It's just a little project of mine. It's a beautiful tool, by the way. Thank that you. I use all the time. It's it's just it keeps me fresh in my in my software engineering, and that's really valuable valuable for me right now, uh, especially as I do more management. Okay, so looking at ourselves forum, like we had a pretty good run uh, midway through the season where we were picking up a lot of points. We were averaging like two points per game over two eight game spans, and we're we're now looking at potentially the worst run of form in Real Salt Lake. Uh, modern history so from like 2009 forward and that's um unnerving to say the least uh because we have had times when we've looked good and as the season's gone on those times have become fewer and fewer and yes we 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 still somehow have not lost back-to-back games this year unless you're counting the u.s open cup against a usl league two team uh, which I'd argue maybe you should, but in league play, we haven't <laughs> lost back-to-back games. Uh, and and it's interesting, you, you see that attributed to Pablo Mastroeni, our coach, a lot, as like the great motivator. And I'm sure you're going to bring these words into uh, reality soon, so I'll let you utter them. Well, I assume you're speaking about famed X-Dog, which... That's the one. ...is... is- I would imagine cha- nails on chalkboardy if I were in your like for me I find it uh, amusing but for you yeah. I would maybe guess not amusing. Yeah, not at this point, uh not when the form is almost historically bad. And it's I uh, mean one, if, one win in 8 games, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not great, is it? And if we lose on Saturday, which I'm I'm sorry to your listeners, but I'm hoping RSL doesn't lose that game. I mean, they'll understand reasons. your position. Yeah, I mean, fan, fans are allowed to be irrational. It's part of the game, and I think they should all be mad at me for various reasons. Um, but all that to say, like, yeah, X Dog uh, has worn out its welcome, and now RSL is kind of mediocre and i'd like us to be good but uh that's that's a a long road yeah it's you know is there something that you can point to that has just stopped working for rsl no and that's even more troubling uh is there's not anything immediately obvious there was a time uh in the season when justin glad was injured and we didn't win a game for like that four week span or something and that was something I could point to and say, yeah, Justin Glad was injured. Like, he's clearly a very important part of our play. And once we get him back, we'll be fine. Uh, but he's back now. And we had a little bit of a good run of form with him back. And it's dropped off again. So there's, there's nothing direct to point to. Um, and part of that is because pa- Pablo Mastroeni is, I mean, he's a vibes coach, right? Uh, he is not as concerned with stats and he will tell you as much and he doesn't always see them as a good way to read the game and to, to some extent i agree like xg tells a story about a game but it doesn't describe the game right i would agree with and i think that it's you know not that we don't have to get in, too into this but i think that's one of the fascinating things about xg is like i use it a lot to tell a specific story and i think that sometimes people take that as saying like it's you're looking for a definitive answer to something that doesn't have a definitive answer. Yeah. And, and I just push back and saying, no, it's not that it's a definitive answer. It's just that it sometimes runs counter to what you perceive purely on the eye test. And I, and all I kind of repeat this ad nauseum is like, you know, all shots aren't created equal and looking at XG as a way of sort of trying to normalize at least that aspect of the game, but it doesn't describe everything else that goes on in the game. And we've all seen games that the XG team seems to tell a drastically different story. And at the very least, I think it's worth exploring what that other story is and how it might change uh, your perception. Uh, That said, you know, you look at these last eight games and they're eerily similar, I think really uh, to what the Sounders have gone through where you have a lot of, you know, you have a 3-0 win over Sporting Kansas City, which, hey, look at that. The Sounders also have, recently have a 3-0 win over Sporting Kansas City. I we think there might be something. That. Yeah, there might be something to that uh, <laughs> about Sporting Kansas City. But, you know, outside of that one, you, you've got like a 2-1 loss to Atlanta. Uh, you've got a 3-2 loss to Minnesota. Uh, a 0-0, you know, 0-0 tie to the crew. Uh, a 1-0 loss to Dallas. I mean, you can kind of just go down. And these are a lot of close losses. Uh, and, you know, uh, ties that maybe could have been wins. But it's it 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 stops you from going like, well, they've just fallen apart because they clearly haven't just fallen apart. They just sort of stopped getting results. And I think that's a lot of what's going on with the Sounders, too, is that they they haven't, you know, uh, just they aren't a completely different team than they were when they went on this nice run in the middle of the season. But it also shows like the margins are just very thin in this league. Uh, and it's and sometimes frustrating because it, it, you don't, you don't, you don't have something to blow up. Yeah. Yeah. You can look at like one injury can be enough to derail your form. Right. Uh, and I think you've seen that with, is it Joe Apollo that's been yeah. 
injured for a significant period and you've got Ra- Raul Rui Diaz and and that's just exactly. me looking from the outside and not I mean those become obvious things and yeah RSL has had Demir Krylock out but he's been out for almost all of the season yeah well what is going on with Krylock uh so he had a back surgery I think it was a, a nerve issue in his back um I don't know the specifics of what the surgery was um and it was something that that I think he thought for probably the good of his career or for his life that it was better to take care of now instead of try to suffer through. And I think that was probably the right choice, uh, but it's created an interesting wrinkle. At the same time, I don't know where Demir Krylik fits in this team. Uh, Maybe he would just slot up top at forward and we'd build around that. Uh, He's not a natural forward. He's done really well at forward for RSL, uh, but everywhere in his career he played before coming here he was a midfielder i uh, you know he played attacking midfield he played central midfield played defensive midfield uh and he just turned out to be a, a fantastic like target forward which i mean i guess he's tall so maybe it wasn't too much of a stretch but when he comes back if he comes back this season uh which not anytime soon so don't worry uh it'll be interesting to see how he works and what what the team does to account for that. Yeah, it's, you know, I I think that that is one of the things that you keep coming back to as a outside reserve and being like, well, they've done all this without Demir Krylock. Uh, They've all, and they they lose Albert Rusnak last year. Uh, But then they've, you, you made a couple additions during the summer transfer window that I think raised expectations. Uh, How, how have those worked out so far? Um, excellent question. Uh, we haven't seen any of them yet. Uh, so any expectations I think are being raised externally. Uh, for me, I can't change my expectations because each of them is like three weeks out. Danny Masovsky's the, you know, the, the one signing we made the day before the end of the transfer window. Uh, and then the other two we made at the end, uh, on the last day in the last few hours. Uh, so Masovsky has a hamstring injury. Uh, and won't be playing for probably three to four weeks. Um, and the other two players, uh, Brian Ojeda and Brian Oviedo, uh, which one? Just amazing that we signed two Brian's with O last names. Right, yeah. Just what, incredible vibes. Yeah. It's like the kind of thing where if you heard rumors of it, you'd be like, there must be a mistake here. They must have got these two players confused. Yeah, but no, we signed them both. Beautiful, like, breathtaking stuff. Uh, but you you look at both of those and they they both are awaiting visas and probably three weeks out. Uh, so optimistically, they could get five games under their belts, uh, a piece maybe. Um, Oviedo's a, a great left back at times. He's done well for Costa Rica. He's only played for Costa Rica over the last year. Copen- he didn't play at all for his club team in Copenhagen. Uh, Ojeda played for Nottingham Forest, but by played, I mean he played three first-team matches around December, like that, the Boxing Day crunch, right, when you've got, you know, three right. games in seven days or whatever, six days. Uh, he played, you know, three games in that period, uh, but not at all for their their second team and no other games for the first team. Masovsky's a different story, of course. Uh, he played on the wing occasionally for a very good team out of position, but like did at least passably well. Uh, and yeah, he played behind some of the best strikers in MLS, but you know, he's got something to prove here. 
So, so some of the other players I was curious about, um, you brought in, you brought back Jefferson Savarino, right? Yeah. At the end of the winter window, we did resign him. And, and how, is, how has bit. he been working out? Oh, <laughs> lights out, uh, okay. which is, is great. He's carried us. I mean, it's not like we're in good form right now, um, which makes talking about him carrying us kind of a, a weird thing. But it's easy to imagine things being worse without him. I believe he scored two stoppage time goals already. He has five goals in eight games, I think, nine games. Uh, just an excellent addition. Uh, I I honestly don't know why he chose to come back to MLS. Um, I do think the league's progressed since he left, which is incredible because 2020, like, there was a real chance of league derailing there, right? Uh, and instead, like, the league has come out ahead in terms of, like, team performance. And Saverino, he went and played in Brazil for two years. Excellent player for Atletico Mineiro uh, and now doing really well here. I think he could have made it at a like a La Liga team or maybe in Italy. Uh, but I'm super glad to have him here. And then the other player that I think a lot of people are interested in uh, is Diego Luna, who uh, has mostly his, most of his starring performances sort of have come uh, prior to his move here when he was with uh, El Paso uh, Locomotive in, in USL. But then he also had a great uh, U20 tournament. Yeah. Um, how has he been for RSL and what, what are the, you know, He's an interesting player. I'll let you sort of talk about him. Yeah, uh, he doesn't look like a traditional soccer player, right? Or he looks like you took a traditional like six foot one defender and squashed him down to be <laughs> like five five, right? Uh, and I love that. Uh, it it doesn't mean like a bowling that much, ball, of course, but yeah, kind of, uh, but like a very strong one with cool neck tattoos. So. Right. Um, but like talking on the field. Many like, more tattoos than you would expect for an 18 year old, by the way. Yeah. I, 18 year old. Like, there's got to be a story there. Tattoos. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm dangerously close to being an old man yelling at clouds here. I know, but it's, there's got to be something there. But anyway, Back in my day. No, right. but think about Diego Luna. Uh, he is, uh, he clearly is talented. Um, and we're clearly taking our time introducing him to the team. Uh, he has one start since he arrived, uh, and that was half of a game against Atlanta United, and they went up 2-0. Uh, and then he came off at, at the half. Uh, he's had like 12 to 18-minute appearances. He might have one 30-minute appearance under his belt for RSL. Uh, and it's hard to get going like as that sort of player. Um, and it's hard when you're not being built around. Because it's easy to see how El Paso would build around like a super talented young midfielder, right? And making that step up, I think that's probably his biggest challenge is how do I succeed in a team when they're not building for me, when I have to find a role? And I don't know the answer to that. I'm, I'm excited to see more of him, uh, but I'm hopeful that we're not you know, wasting time for him because I, I think he could go real places. So one other player I just wanted to talk about real quickly is someone that I was really excited about uh early in the or maybe even midway through the season and someone who i think i even put on my all-star ballot was mm. pablo ruiz mm. uh is he still like wh wh how would you describe where he is right now and and what can you tell uh sounders fans about him yeah he is an interesting midfielder he has often appeared on the list of players most dribbled past which for a central midfielder is not ideal right 
uh, because that means teams feel like they can play around him easily. Um, but at the same time, he provides a, like a, a not insignificant number of key passes. Uh, he is really, really good at you know sending long diagonals up the wing and creating a dangerous attack as a result. Like his passes to say Justin Miram are you know game changing at times. Uh, and it's interesting to see a player like him have both of those qualities at the same time and still play a mo- like a, a somewhat defensive role for the team. I don't know exactly what to make of that. Um, I think there are ways he could be more successful here uh, and get more involved in the attack. Uh, and, you know, he, he loves a good long shot. Uh, but long shots, I think, conversely, do not always love him. Uh, he's had... A, He's had, I think, two hit the crossbar, which fantastic. Like having having long shots hit the crossbar is not necessarily a bad outcome, right? Uh, it's not the preferred outcome, but it's better than skying it. Uh, but he, he's not scoring from from his long shots, really. And his one goal in recent memory was, you know, a driven shot along the ground. Uh, he's a very talented player. He's, a, I think, a smart player who can spot things developing. Uh, but I think the next step is to get him in those positions where he can make that difference. Well, uh, Matt, as always, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the, our show. Uh, follow uh, Matt at RSL Soapbox. Uh, where else can they find you? And share your newsletter too, because I think oh, yeah. we opened this by talking about board games. I would love, yeah. if people are interested, I want them to be able to know where to find you oh, write about you. board games. I do. Yeah. Very recreationally. I'm working on one right now about escape rooms and exit games. Uh, so on Twitter, you can find me at the crossbar RSL two R's in a row there. I don't know what I was thinking, but <laughs> it's been in place since 2011. I guess it's not changing now on, uh, you know, online RSL soapbox.com. I've got that podcast. If you want to, for some reason, you're Seattle fans who really love listening to people talk about Real Salt Lake. But you guys have fun. It's a yeah. fun podcast. It is fun. We have a lot of fun. And then you can get my my uh, newsletter at it's Don't Eat the Meeples is the name. It's don'teatthemeeples.substack.com. Or I've got the vanity domain of boardgames.email, which nice. I feel really proud about. Like, I don't know why someone yeah. else didn't register that. Oh, that's a good one. Maybe I'll start an email service. I'm, there aren't but, enough of those. <laughs> they're not. Well, uh, Matt, thank you again for doing this. Uh, I am Jeremiah O'Shan. You're listening to the Sounder at Heart podcast, and we will catch you next time.